Welcome to the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan, and on this podcast, I will be speaking to inspirational individuals who specialize in the field of physical and mental health to offer you the tools that you need to become a stronger, healthier, and more confident man in today's world. Hello and welcome to episode number 49 of the Modern Warrior podcast. Today I am joined by Stephanie Marco. Stephanie is an absolute legend and an expert in her field. She is the founder of I Love Revolution. I'm excited to find out what all that's about. And also she's an expert in helping people transform their shame into love we could do with a stephanie in our life every one of us right now so stephanie how are you doing i'm great thank you so much for that you're very welcome so nice to be here likewise and you are far away from me at the moment where are you exactly i'm in costa rica fresh off the beach as my hair is giving away um and just yeah enjoying myself here it's my first time uh, in this country, it's beautiful. Very nice, very nice. Well, allow me to enjoy it. And I'm very intrigued, first of all, about the shame and love aspect of, of your of your work, transforming shame into love. And I think that that's, the shame is something that holds many people back from love, either loving themselves or opening themselves up to love someone else. And I come from a country, Ireland, which is deeply ingrained in, in shame uh, from our Catholic beginnings or our Catholic roots, which is which lays on the foundation of shame and guilt and fear and doubt. So I think that would be a great place to start this conversation, how you help people transform shame into love or, or what exactly does that process involve? Well, you know, there's many facets. Um, shame is so pervasive and it's uh, something that's such a program that's deep in our subconscious and really controls so much of our personality and what we're attracted to, who we think we have to be in the world. And shame really keeps us from our authenticity. Shame keeps us from connecting truly with our heart's desire, with what we came here on the planet to create. Um, and can really keep us living someone else's lives when we don't have consciousness around shame. So it's a really important part of the healing process and coming into pleasure. Um, you know, and, and shame is something that is birthed from love. And so the problem with shame is we have shame about our shame. So we don't often want to talk about what we're ashamed about. And, and typically shame comes from our parents often just trying to protect us and, and give us guidance in the world. But because we're such little sponges and so sensitive as children, you know, our parents telling us don't touch that or don't touch yourself or uh, whatever it is that they think is going to protect us or protect themselves or, you know, their own projection of their, their shame then becomes ours. And we learn how to hide our true selves and we create these masks and these fake personalities and we project those into the world um, to such a degree that we forget our true essence. And so um, I really love to bring clients through a process of 
addressing that, acknowledging that, feeling the pain of that, releasing that so that they can invite more pleasure and true love for themselves, as you mentioned, and um, attracting the right partners, the right jobs, the right circle of friends, the right careers. Extremely powerful work. It's something I can highly relate to as well. As I mentioned, yes, I come from a a Catholic beginning, a Catholic foundation. And within that, as I said, there's a lot of shame and guilt, especially around love, loving yourself, especially around sex, around relationships, around women. And, you know, I've had several experiences in my own life where I felt deeply ashamed for my behaviors and actions based on the reaction of my mom or my dad in certain situations and again as you said yes you you ingrain this this shame and it becomes almost a part of you and it, as i said it holds you back from your true essence your true your true self as you say so for a long time in my life i i hid away from the person i really was and as you said yeah i wore the masks i pretended to be somebody i wasn't to fit in to society or to fit in with with the mold of that religion or the the sort of family mold uh, within that dynamic but over time I've, I've i've broken away from that and that's only come from you know self-integration and in, in, introspective work in terms of understanding that yeah this is not truly me i'm living a life of lies i need to get to the, the source of my of my pain the source of to find the source of my truth and my real self. So that's been a very long process for me. And it's something I do help men with at this point, but it can be a very drawn out and long process. And I'm just interested in terms of how you're, how you approach that or what's the sort of strategies you take in helping people get beyond that shame and move towards love. Yeah, well, I just want to first say and honor you for the work you're, you've done, because I believe when one man really confronts his trauma, you know, you you heal the legacy of men who've come before you and those who will come after you in your own family. And you also give permission and inspiration to so many men around you. So bravo for that. And thank you, you know, on behalf of women, because um you know, shame is something that men carry around um, in a very different way than the way women carry shame. And what sometimes women don't realize about men is that testosterone is such a powerful hormone. It's such a powerful drug. And the things that testosterone can make men have impulses to think and do um, can be overwhelmingly shameful in what society says and what women say, and men have to suppress a lot of their feelings um, that testosterone can bring to the surface based on those things not being acceptable. So I think it's really an important conversation, the conversation of shame. Um, And, you know, essentially shame makes us hide ourselves. Uh, It makes us, you know, create and lie to the world and to ourselves. Um, And it makes us Um, look for things in secret to distract from our urges, whether that's addictions, um, whether that's, um, you know, becoming uh, deceptive. Um, But it's, it's really keeping us from feeling that we're good enough. And so 
you know, shame creates a narrative in our, in our brains, in our bodies, and a story that we're not worthy, that we're not worthy of love, that we're not good enough, or that we're too much, that we're not special enough um, as we are. And what I love about Tantra and the practices that, that I study is that there's not a duality like there is in, in Catholicism or in most religions. There isn't this idea of good or bad or heaven and hell. It's really about integration. It's about taking the sides of ourselves that need love, that are dark, that are trying to be hidden away and shedding light on those things and opening up the truth to those things and giving them love and understanding where they came from and reparenting ourselves and learning how to be our own best friend learning how to not take ourselves so seriously, learning that actually everyone is walking around with very similar shame and very similar narratives. And when we can start to, you know, disarm the potency and the, and the charge of some of these feelings that we have about ourselves, we realize we're all kind of the same. We're all doing the best we can, and we're actually perfect the way we are. And the only thing we need to do is have awareness and cultivate more self-awareness and choose people who are great mirrors for us. And so more concretely, the way that I do that is um, first, firstly, is working with the body, working with yogic practices. And, and yoga is not just asana or poses the way most of us understand yoga to be. Uh, yoga is, you know, a, to a total science. And the science of yoga is one of, of reprogramming our brains and reprogramming our bodies. What we're taught about yoga in the West is that it's a physical practice that gives you a great butt. And uh, yeah, you can get a great yoga butt, but you know, we want to get a great yoga spirit, a great yoga temperament. Um, and yoga is a meditative practice and it's a practice of releasing trauma from the body in a very gentle and methodical way. And so I use different practices of, of yoga, including asanas, the traditional poses that you'll see, but also kriyas, which are more like moving meditations, pranayama, which is breath work. And uh, I also bring in some um, neuro-linguistic programming, which is, you know, a bit more of a modern uh, twist on hypnosis, um, where we go in and we reprogram literally the physical body because we can understand our consciousness. We can even have great self-awareness. And we see people like this all the time, right? Like I have a problem committing. I have a problem with chocolate. I have a problem with weed or whatever it is. And you intellectually know it, but until you learn how to emotionally regulate yourself when you have those urges, until you learn how to embody it physically in your body and reprogram your body to have new habits, you can't really break or embody that person that you're imagining yourself to be. It's still just up here. And this is a whole other intelligence. And so getting into our body's intelligence, which is um, definitely more of a feminine intelligence, a feeling intelligence, being able to identify our feelings, being able to feel truly our pain is what actually creates room for more pleasure. And so when we don't allow ourselves to feel our pain, when we shut off, when we distract, when we grab that addiction, what we're doing is we're numbing ourselves. Yes, maybe from feeling the pain, but also from feeling so much pleasure that our bodies can hold and that sexual energy can conjure for us. And so the processes I bring people through is identifying where these wounds came from, 
um, giving ourselves an opportunity to release, to bring them to the surface in a very safe and gentle way without judgment and to understand that it's just the human experience and that no one, that no one is bad and that we're not bad and that our parents weren't bad and to just honestly um, come to the essence of who we were as these little children who just wanted our needs to be met and giving ourselves an opportunity to meet those needs so that we're not going out in the world as victims and hurt children that we can really grow into being adults. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I, some very important points there that you covered and one that sort of sticks out, especially with the men today is is the testosterone debate where society almost forces you to suppress your testosterone, suppress your sexual desires, suppress your sexual fantasies. And when you do that, and I've been there, you know, I suppress a lot of my sexual energy. It's still there. The energy is still within. And for me, my escapism or, or the way for me to sort of channel that energy outwards was to to do it through porn. Porn was almost like a a safety, a safe option for me. You know, no, it was very secretive, as you said. You know, that's that's a, another result of the suppression or the repression. You you started to do things in secret so that nobody finds out about it, and therefore you don't feel the the shame of other people's opinions or other people's reactions to it. So it was a very sort of private, secret thing that I did for a long period of time, and uh, a lot of that was embedded. Um, and the shame that I felt growing up as a child and in, a, in quite a quite a strict Catholic upbringing, and the the energy in the house when it came to to sex or relationships in general was, yeah, sex was something to to do with with a girlfriend or a wife in a relationship. There was no sort of ultimately there was no sort of education around it. There was no sort of open discussion about it. It was very a very taboo subject, a very, because of the shame that was attached to it. Like I could never speak to my dad about sex, for example, that would absolutely floor him. I think, uh, even <laughs> well, she find it very difficult to, to have that sort of open discussion. So where do you go? You try and figure these things out on your own and it becomes a very lonely path. I think a lot of men take that path as well. And, uh, and I've, I work with a lot of guys at the moment and there seems to have been a spike in pornography addiction or compulsion and it's uh yeah it certainly has spiked over the last while and i think a lot of that's down to the lack of connection the lack of um, perhaps intimacy in their lives as these isolations and these lockdowns have come in as well so just to sort of grasp that area of of, of the male the testosterone versus the societal standards for someone who's listening to this podcast today and maybe doesn't have access to the to the yoga, doesn't have access to to these sort of um, outlets, where do you start from there? From from your perspective. Well, everything really is. This is a great question, and I mean, it's it's become so pervasive. Uh, porn and you know, uh, Dr. Philip Zimbardo is an incredible. Um, researcher, and I believe he's a psychiatrist, and he's 
done lots of extensive studies on what drives this type of behavior. And, you know, what's happening is young boys um, are getting addicted to not only the, the emotional regulation that video games and porn uh, provide, but they're also getting a new sort of um, reclusiveness into their personalities, which is closing off the frontal lobe of our brains, which controls empathy and decision-making. And so porn is really dangerous in terms of having any ability to truly connect with another human being on an intimate level. Um, it, and, and it creates a new type of uh, disorder and a new type of addiction, which is an, a variety addiction. It's not even now that they want more of the same, they want more and different. And so it becomes this sort of endless spiral. And there's something like the average boy, and this statistic was from 2017, so I can imagine how much it's, it's spiked, but that the average man watches 50 clips of porn per week. Um, and I feel like that number is pretty low compared to probably where it is now, um, but that's still a pretty high number. And so the education is not out there and it needs to be out there. And, and this is why I've built the platform, A Love Revolution, is that, you know, the um, future of A Love Revolution is going to be sexual education and sexual wellness in a healthy context that is still sexy and fun and playful, but that shows actual pleasure, that shows actual intimacy, that shows actual orgasms, actual, you know, ways of restoring and regenerating our sexual energy and using it to fuel our lives and our creativity and our passion and our ability to be vulnerable and true human beings with each other, um, rather than these highly addictive, sensationalized clips that, you know, are quite violent. Um, and so for people who don't maybe necessarily have access to taking, uh, you know, perhaps uh, a course with you or myself, um, you know, a great practice is to just look online. You know, there are thousands of free videos where you can take yoga classes and to just experiment with, um, you know, I love Kundalini yoga as a practice. Um, I also love Hatha yoga. Um, particularly the, the Tantra view on Hatha yoga, where it's done very slowly. And one of my most favorite um, exercises is pranayama, which is breath work. And there's so many teachers now doing different forms of breath work, but this is all rooted from yogic science and from Vedic studies and Ayurveda. So taking five minutes a day to do alternate nostril breathing, to do pranayama really can can emotionally regulate you. If you want to go and watch that porn, I promise you, if you do three to five minutes of breath work, you can sh shift your mood, shift your energy really quickly. And that's all it, you know, it takes is, and I'm not, and I don't want to oversimplify things either or make, you know, or make things seem uh, like they're so easy. You know, we all in our healing go back and forth. It's never linear, you know, and, and, uh, I think also taking a mindset of being gentle with ourselves is really important when we're trying to heal and surrounding ourselves with people who are going to support that. Mm -hmm. People who are going to say, you know, give me a call when you feel like eating that half a pizza. Give me a call when you feel like calling that ex that's bad for you. Um, whatever the thing is, reaching out and realizing and recognizing that we're, we all just need each other 
and looking for people who can support you in that and honor you. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. And the next question that sort of springs to my mind is the female's role within this this masculine masculinity, uh, the female's role yeah. within a, within a man. And I'm not too sure how to word this without blaming females or or making myself seem like I'm blaming females. But do you feel that females hold a certain level of responsibility for perhaps the downfall of masculinity at the moment or how do you contextualize the role of the female within this 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 mask masculinity as it, mm. as it is right now because we do see a massive rise in uh, female empowerment in in um even a massive rise in in women moving on to sites like OnlyFans and understanding that there are men subscribing to these sites that's ultimately empowering these women to continue with these sites and continue um, exposing themselves. And it's it's a, it does seem like a, a power dynamic between females and, and males at the moment where, as I see it, like females are, are, are sort of leading men in the wrong direction now again that may may sound unfair to a lot of females at the moment but that a lot of their behaviors and actions are sort of going against the the, the masculine divine perhaps um now yeah. again just to that's simply an opinion uh, you sure. can prove me wrong uh, but mm-hmm. I, I just there, there seems to be a a tussle between femininity and masculinity masculinity at the moment and i feel it's it's to the downfall of many men at the moment because they don't know where they stand with females uh females as i said are becoming a lot more empowered and maybe maybe the females don't feel like they need a man in their lives as much as perhaps they did 10 20 years ago their their values have changed perhaps you know there's no only fans even five years <laughs> And these women being paid a lot of money just to expose themselves. And again, men are empowering these women to continue with that, with subscribing to their channels. And that's just OnlyFans. There's other webcam channels and there's other sites that are doing the same thing. But even in a even in the day-to-day, that females are almost exasperating their power and perhaps diminishing that power of masculinity. Yeah. What's your perspective on that? I mean, it's such a great question. And I think it's uh, such a hot topic. And I feel power and pleasure are things that are very misunderstood in Western culture. Um, And, you know, real power is shown to us in society as an exhaustion of that power, as an abuse of that power, as a um, high octane, overloaded, you know, just, you know, balls to the wall power. And that's, you know, very destructive and it's, it's rooted in, in violence, in excess, Um, And the same goes for pleasure. We see pleasure as overindulgence, pushing ourselves over the limit, eating the whole cake, eating the whole pie, 
you know, exhausting ourselves, essentially exhausting our true essence, not preserving for the long term, not considering the outcome or consequences or even what actual pleasure and actual power really is. And actual pleasure and actual power is holding the sacredness of that, is um, keeping our pleasure as divine gratitude, keeping our power as not having to exert it or use it unless it's necessary. Knowing that real power is creating a space for other people to be in power or, you know, enjoy. Um, real power has to be redefined. Real pleasure has to be redefined. Um, but more concretely, understanding our own inner masculine and our own inner feminine, um, for me is an important aspect because, you know, in, at the end of the day, men and women, we aren't that different. It's just that we're experiencing being human beings in different ways in different bodies with different physiology, um, with different hormones that truly affect our experiences of safety and of rewards. So what is a reward for a woman is very different than what's a reward for a man. What's considered safe for a woman is very different than what's considered safe for a man. And because we don't understand that, and we each think the other is just, you know, the same as us, but behaving badly is part of what limits us to have true compassion for the other. Um, so do I think that feminism was a necessary component for women to kind of step into more equality with men in the 1960s and to have and assert that we are here and we want to be seen and heard and, and we don't want to be repressed? Yes, I think it was a necessity then. Do I understand as a woman the difficulty of being um, taken seriously and having to struggle uh, independently in a patriarchal system that is unnatural to my way of being and to have to mold myself into something else in order to climb the ladder in business. Um, do I also understand that it can be kind of fun to be in my masculine and to get stuff done and to like, you know, close that deal or, you know, make this thing that I want happen? Yeah. Um, but it's all in context, right? And it's all understanding when that energy serves us and, and empowers us truly, and when that power is being used in a degenerative way. And so I think firstly, we have to have more compassion and understand what each other are going through. And I think many women are just so angry because I think a lot of nice guys don't understand how many jerks are out there <laughs> and that women have to have the experience of being unsafe in the presence of those jerks more often than nice guys realize we do. So when we're angry at the jerks, the nice guys are like, what are you so angry about? Like, this is too, you know, and I think women um, can become completely intolerant and unable to see that not all men are that way. And that just because a man doesn't think the way a woman thinks doesn't mean he's a female who's misbehaving. It means he's just a man who doesn't think the way that you think and it's not wrong necessarily.
And so understanding the drivers, what drives a man is very different than what drives a woman. Women um, or the feminine, I would even say, you know, because it's not only gender specific, but when a being is in their feminine essence, they tend to be driven by love and connection and communication and intimacy. And when we're in our masculine, we tend to be driven by being productive, being focused, being committed on results. And we're results driven. And so understanding when our partner or when someone we're with is in one of those states of being, and not to sound too general, but for the context of this podcast, um, to keep it simple, we can then understand someone's point of view more if we if we can relate that to our own inner masculine and our own inner feminine and so um just to kind of not be too long-winded um i think that unfortunately the narrative has been that we are objects that i'm an object and you're an object and I can use you for what I want to use you for. And I, as a woman, am an object. And maybe I can't climb the corporate ladder the way you can. But you know what? I can use my body to get attention and money and to pay my bills. So I'm going to allow myself to be objectified in this way. And I in no way think that a woman um, or that the human body is objectified or sexual. I don't think being naked means that you are being dirty and sexual. That's just not a tantric point of view. But when you are objectifying your body and trying to make the naked body mean sex, then you're actually creating a situation where you're an object and not a divine temple, a divine goddess, and the way that I see the world uh, and the way that really frees us from shame is to see our bodies as parts of nature, to see nudity as part of nature, and that a naked body is not the same thing as someone wanting sex. <laughs> it's just a naked body. And it's very hard to even understand that um, if you've grown up with so much shame around the human body. But so the problem isn't women showing their naked bodies. The problem is women seeing themselves as objects and seeing men as ATMs and men as objects uh, in that transactional exchange rather than this beautiful sharing. And we're taught that sex is this transactional exchange and that there's a loser and a winner. And that's a big, a big root of the problem as well. We don't teach our children sex and the union between a man and a woman is the most beautiful collaboration that you can ever have in terms of sharing a deep, deep friendship, a deep, deep love, a deep, deep knowing and a feeling of safety and acceptance and growth that you can have through this union with someone and pick someone who's really worth sharing that with because you'll be such a gift to each other. We're just taught, like, did you get it? Did she, Did he take it from you? Did you give it to him? And like that is what creates so much of this battlefield that we have. Um, and so it's a really big topic and there's a lot of layers to get through it, but compassion uh, and really authentic communicating is a, is a really big part of it. Yeah, amazing. When you say battlefield, it, it feels like, it's you versus the porn industry 
as I see it right now, that, yeah, okay, women are perhaps using their bodies as objects, but men are also enabling that as well. And yes, sex and... And men see women as objects. I mean, a male narrative and, and a porn narrative, we've all been pornified, all of us, men and women. We're all pornified. We're all like, look at that ass. Look at that this. We're all told what's beautiful based on the porn industry and the fashion industry. They've programmed us to not have even, and we don't realize it, but our preferences, 80% of our preferences are dictated by what we are told by the media. We think we have our preferences. We think we like blondes with big boobs and nice big lips, right? We think we like men who are tall with facial hair and broad shoulders. And yes, primitively, these attributes in the opposite sex from a primal level are sexy, right? But we are taught to not see the person. We're taught to not see the divinity, the beauty, the love, the, you know, and, and in Tantra, the, uh, all women are seen as goddesses. All women are their own culture. Literally, each woman is her own culture. She dresses the way she dresses. She has her, she's like a planet and there's no other planet in the universe like her. And so it gives us such a different perspective and you know, and a different honoring. And goddess culture is not about oppressing men. It's not a matriarchy of like the opposite of patriarchy. It's one of unity. And so in goddess cultures, you know, women are seen as portals to God, but we want to uplift men and have community and family with men. We want, you know, the, the, Tantra God is the masculine and the feminine together. It's not a masculine God or a feminine God. It's both because we see that that duality is what manifestation is made of. That is the creation, creative force. Sex is the creative life force energy. That is the divine energy. And we've been just so programmed out of that by thinking that sex and the union between men and women is dirty and weird and in the shadows. Um, and, and we need to start reprogramming ourselves, retraining ourselves away from that, understanding and removing these veils and these preferences that have been decided for us and really understanding what it is that really turns us on. Because at the end of the day, what turns us on is ourselves. No one else turns you on. You decide to be turned on or not, right? Like, and so, you know, uh, it, it's a different way of thinking, but I think it's one that people are so ready for. We're evolving so quickly now. And yeah. it's it's time. Sign me up. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, again, the the term that comes to mind when when you when you explain all that is yeah, sex sells, doesn't it? So of course the media is going to uh, try and sell your sex mm. based on yes, you've got to have your certain preferences and you have to uh, attract a certain type of woman or man and. As I said, it's a means. To, sex to, for a lot of people is a means to an end. Uh, unfortunately, you know, and you have the one night stands, you have the flings, you have the affairs, and there's absolutely no substance behind it. And ultimately, you're left in your your own very lonely state. It becomes a very lonely way to live. Or else, as I said, you are monetizing the the porn industry through your OnlyFans or through subscribers on on some porn sites or even viewing that and subscribing to it you're 
uh, the byproduct of that is you're actually paying the, the porn industry to to keep keep those reels coming so yeah sex sells and yeah it's amazing how much the the media has an influence over us and i think we we can see that very much so today what the, all that's going on with covid and yes lockdowns and omnicron this and dominicron that and everything else is going on and yeah bit, like a big thing in my life is just to switch all that off and i recommend everyone does the same thing do not listen to the news switch it off and um, turn and it off yeah it's poison poison absolute poison for your mind your body for your psyche for your energy for your for your life and uh yes you're certainly in tune with that and you get what i'm talking about however a lot of people as i said are, are um absorbing this negativity absorbing that noise in their lives every single day and um ultimately they're trying to sell you something be it from big pharma be it from porn industry be it from the fashion industry be it from some big incorporations that that ultimately want your money um without you even knowing. yes and they're really you know you say sex sells and yes that sells but it's really about insecurity they are, they are preying on our insecurities. They create that we're not good enough. They create the narrative that we're not pretty enough, good enough, rich enough, sexy enough, whatever enough. And then they sell what we actually, they, uh, they've talked us out of thinking we, we are, and we are all, we are wonderful. We are good enough. We are beautiful enough, right? But they sell us this idea that we're not. And then they sell us back what is innately ours to have had and to own in the first place. They take it away and then they sell it back to us at a markup um, based on the insecurity that they create. And, you know, for me, this is like the biggest injustice and that's what's continuing to happen. And so when we don't have self-awareness, when we're not doing this work, when we're living in this narrative, when we're allowing ourselves to be hypnotized, we are in a mass hallucination of self-hatred, of self-fear, and we are numbing ourselves so that we don't have to feel this fear. And in doing so, we are numbing ourselves from feeling our pleasure, from even allowing ourselves to be touched, to be touched by another person, to be touched emotionally, to be touched in our hearts, to be moved. This is, you know, the outcome of this if we all don't start waking up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of people skating on thin ice at the moment, unfortunately. But before we go any further down that rabbit hole, <laughs> let's bring it back. <laughs> and yes, yeah. very, very relevant points. And yes, I, I, I've had my say about all of this several times on my Instagram and everything else. So, um, and I'll continue to to have my say and to bring the power back to the people um, more so than allowing governments and corporations and big pharma to to ultimately attach their puppet strings to people and dictate our behaviors and actions in life so yeah um well, i appreciate you for that yeah. and i i appreciate the courage it takes and and i also appreciate that your listeners can know that there are many, many more people than we're being shown and that they may realize who are also in this belief system and that we can shift things into our favor. And it's just a temporary setback. And it's seemingly that we are alone and that we are not supported, but there are literally millions of people who are rallying around our sovereignty together and that we're coming together and 
y'all better watch out <laughs> because we're not gonna we're not gonna sit down and i just appreciate having warriors like you and you know and sheepdogs around us women who are going to protect and uplift and it's that's why this work is so important because men are being feminized and put into fear and you know what you mentioned earlier are women part of feminizing men yes because we're scared of men who have power because look at what men who have had power have done to this world they're messing up shit and at the same time we as women have to trust our good men and we have to empower our good men and we have to sink into the pleasure that comes with feminine surrender in the presence of trustworthy good men mm-hmm. and it's a learning process for both of us yes to do that to do that yes powerful words yeah so again yeah just to sort of uh step over that rabbit hole again <laughs> and uh but <laughs> extremely relevant points and uh, i hope that the, the listeners are taking note of this and and really listening and, and wanting to take action on it i wanted to ask you about the men you work with at the moment and i know that look you're a master of many trades by the looks of it but you do a lot of work with men and i'm just interested in terms of the sort of consistent struggles that you that you find um men are are dealing with at the moment or not dealing with at the moment and is there a sort of a trend there or a sort of a pattern that we need to now become aware of or maybe i need to become aware of or other men out there (laughs) to help them avoid it or to help them uh, perhaps break that pattern by taking assertive action mm. what's it been like for you what a wonderful question what a beautiful question thank you for that um yes and this may be very surprising because it's surprising to a lot of men i work with actually but um, a pattern that i see and that i've seen as a single woman dating as well as in the men that i work with is the mother wound and you know the mother wound doesn't come from having some tyrannical mother which you may have as well but uh, a mother wound is by human design we all have it and often in homes where the father has been absent which is many 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 homes for many 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 men um, men are then shown masculinity through the lens of their very wounded mother. Uh, She may be angry. She may have had to do things on her own. She may have come from her own traumas with her own father and her own family as well. But essentially, um, a number of things happen. But the thing I feel is most common is that the man becomes energetically married to his mother. He has to, he doesn't have the opportunity to formulate his own masculinity through, uh, and his own femininity, more importantly, because a man needs to develop his own femininity as a boy. And what I mean by that is uh, typically a a boy follows his father around in a healthy relationship. A a boy would have the opportunity to follow his father around and see how his father deals with anger, see how his father deals with uh, disappointment with taking power, with leading a project, whatever it may be. And in that, he learns how to create structure. He sees how his father creates structure because within the structure of the masculinity is where the feminine can feel safe to be expressed. And so 
if he doesn't understand how to create that structure for himself, then he doesn't understand how he wants to express himself, his creativity, his ideas, his art, his whatever, his voice. And instead, he takes on his mother's very often stressed out, maybe um, distorted version of femininity based on her projections, her lack of being able to emotionally regulate her lack of being able to have her dreams come alive because there wasn't a masculine to hold space for her to surrender into her creative, expressive, feminine. So instead, he the boy takes on his mother's distorted feminine as his own feminine. He doesn't know how to hold space for another feminine. He may even actually compete with the women he brings into his life because he doesn't understand how to live in harmony or to create structure for her feminine. And furthermore, a, a woman outside of his mother is too overwhelming because he's already energetically married and having to deal with the dysfunction of taking care of his mother's emotions. There's no room for another woman in his life. So, and the thing that's the most pervasive about this is that it's disguised as love. The mother wound is disguised as but your mother sacrificed so much for you. You have to be a good dad, a good mama's boy and, and be a good son and show up for your mother and take care of her. That's what good, nice guys do. Well, no, not if you're resenting it. Not if you're not able to grow up and be a man and have your own family and your own needs met. And so I see this a lot and men really feel so much shame about wanting to release this cord with their mother's toxicity that is so, so, so hidden as love. But it's a manipulation. And it's, it's very, very toxic, but also very easy with the right work and the right focus to heal. And I brought men through that process and they have much stronger relationships with their mothers now. And so it's not about hating or condemning anyone. It's really about releasing ourselves and embracing our liberation mm. and understanding that we, we are sovereign on every level and we have to liberate ourselves through love. And it's really possible to do that. Um, but that's the mother wound is something I see in, I would say, 99% of men. Yes, I've been there. And in a metaphorical sense, it's as the mother is sort of holding the son's hand or ho holding holding the son back from becoming the, the man that he wishes to be. You feel that's so the, the mother is part of that dynamic and the, and the man needs to take that control back and almost release his hand from his mother or yes. maybe, maybe yes. in a metaphorical sense, of course, not in a physical sense, but, you know, push yes. Push her away. Uh, I wouldn't say push her away, but bring consciousness to it. To have loving conversations. You don't have to be mad at your mom. Your mom does love you. You know, and, but she may be living in an adolescent girl reality. Or she may not be conscious of her impulses to hold you and keep you close for her own security and it's really not a child's responsibility to keep their parents safe mm -hmm. okay that's that's not 
children don't come in into the world with a job to protect their parents. It's the opposite. And so, you know, it's, it's a slow and, and obviously very personal process for each individual, but often men think that the problem is their father and often it is, but the problem father almost always creates the problem mother. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have to address the wounds of both parents. And often we've made our mothers such angelic, divinely, um, you know, untouchable creatures because they're so full of unconditional love. But you know what, mom, you shouldn't be waking up your 23 year old son to go to work. He can do that himself. And, you know, in, in primitive cultures and tribal cultures, there were rites of passage for men. And so bringing men through a rite rite of passage from boyhood into manhood is what I help men do in my group courses. And um, I bring in other male experts because I don't feel that women should fully initiate men. Men need other men, but women can initiate men in certain aspects. And so I hold that space. And then I also bring in men to take that further with the brotherhood that every man craves and needs so that men can go from boyhood into manhood and cut that cord with their mother, which should have happened in their teenage years with a proper initiation where the other men would literally kidnap the men from their home, from their mother's arms and, you know, kind of give them this sacred wound, this sacred trauma of releasing themselves from her bosom and bringing them into nature, showing them how to be men, testing them in ways that they can come back into the community, back into the tribe and be revered as men. We don't have that anymore. And so it's up to men to initiate each other now and to be conscious of where they may not be initiated. Because I meet so many very successful men on so many levels who literally have said, I've got this man life. I've got this man house. I've got this man wife. I've got this, I've got kids. I've got cars. I've got a dream life. And I feel like I'm a little boy pretending to be a man still. Mm-hmm. Trapped. Yeah, there's a a very good book. I'm, I'm sure you're aware of it, and the readers should, or the, the listeners should certainly pick it up. I, I've I've only become aware of this sort of initiation process over the last year or so, and I've spoken to a lot of people on this podcast about it as well. And it's it's highlight the highlighted the importance for me in terms of the initi- initiation process, which. I reflect back and I ask myself, did I have that? I, I didn't. And I've been trying mm. to cultivate that in my own life, but also help other, other men do the same. But a very good book um, is, is called Iron John by Robert Bly. I don't know if you've come across before, but that's uh, that's been an absolute game changer for me. And if any of the listeners um, want to know more about this and masculinity and initiation processes and understanding the, the power of that, that's definitely a book to pick up and read. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, thanks so much, Stephanie. And uh, perhaps maybe just to wrap it up, could you tell us a little bit about our, our love revolution? What, what exactly does that involve? Because I'm intrigued. Thank you. Yes, well, it's, it's a platform where we can speak in an uncensored way um, privately and build community. It's, it's, it's basically a community platform that I've created of teachers and students 
Um, I host courses there. And over the next three months, I'm offering new subscribers a free trial. And we will have a calendar of experts. Maybe you'll even come on and do a little content. But we have a calendar. I would love that. We, we have a calendar of experts doing, um, giving little samples. And they're all pre-vetted by me. And they're all people who I trust who have incredible perspectives from anything, everything from money to sex to relationships to Ayurveda um, fitness, um, and living, you know, lives that are sovereign. And, um, and over the next three months, we'll be offering a free subscription and you can check out all of these different teachers and they'll be giving content, uh, once or twice a week, we'll have a different guest. Um, and you can meet other subscribers, you can follow each other. It's just like a social media platform. And depending on your level of subscription, you can be given uh, entry to certain VIP um, content that we'll be showing. And eventually the aim is to evolve this into a sexual wellness platform where we can actually show each other different techniques and different communication techniques to bring more intimacy, more pleasure into our lives and to really cultivate um, learning that there isn't, there's more to sex than just a physical exchange, that it also can be this incredible, incredibly uplifting spiritual and emotional um, evolution for us in our lives. Super. So that's a love revolution. Yeah. Super, super. We're starting a revolution. Cunt man. Yeah, I'm all for that. <laughs> so where, where can people find that? And where can people find you if they, if they would like to reach out and get in touch? Uh, they can find me at aloverevolution.com or at stephaniemarco.com. Um, and on aloverevolution.com, there will be a link to the platform. The platform is living on the Mighty Network. So you can go to mightynetwork.com and look up a love revolution for that community as well. Sweet. This has been massively insightful, inspiring. And I'm leaving this podcast feeling highly energized and, uh, ready for a revolution <laughs> thank you so much stephanie Woohoo! thank you gavin i feel so inspired by you as well thanks for having me thank you much appreciated until next time